Now, Justin, I've been watching a lot of competitive food eating challenges on Matt Stoney's YouTube page. And it's it's gross. Yeah. I watched this man eat 100 pieces of cheese in four minutes. Okay. <laughs> it's gr- like, <laughs> ugh, yep, right? Yeah. Bad. Wait, 100 um, pieces of cheese? America, uh, slices of American cheese. I can't eat one of those in the best of circumstances. I, I, I'm not a fan of them unless they're sort of cooked on burgers or in a, a grilled cheese, but you're going to say Did something? he stack them up and like eat them with like a fork? Yep. He really did. And he like smashed it down. So he stacked them up and then he ate them. So like, I don't know if you've seen how competitive, have you ever watched like competitive eaters eat oh, food? Yeah. It's like not appetizing. It's not how you eat food. Yeah. Oh no. It, you no, dunk it's, it in it's water really and then you like do something with your throat to make it easier to go down. Yes, yes. So, like, mm. he ate it. He did not eat it. If if you tasked me with eating 100 pieces of cheese, um, he didn't eat it like I would have done right, it. Right, right. He did it. He ate it in the worst way a human being could do it. Yeah. Um, so, I've been watching a lot of that. And that got me thinking. Not necessarily about, like, competitive eating like that. But is it, like, what is the one food? It doesn't have to be one food, I guess. But what is the food for you that you could eat an ungodly amount of. Do you know what I mean? Like, Matt, for Matt Stoney, the answer is anything. Um, for for Randy... Santel, Randy Santel. Randy Santel. Because yeah. like this, at the end, every time yeah, he's done, uh, flexes uh, his muscles. No, he goes, Randy San, uh, Santel... Um, what's the name? It's like he does something like it, Atlas, 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 Fitness. and he does this, and then yep. has his hat on before Flexes. he goes, puts the music on, probably listens to like country western or something while he does it. You think that, or is it just like Lincoln Park, or just like brown noise? What is what's brown noise? <laughs> gross, Justin, gross, gross, boo. So, food. What could you eat an ungodly amount of? Okay, two things that come to my mind. One that I want to eat an ungodly amount of, uh, just because I love them, are Fazoli's mm-hmm. breadsticks. Have you been to a Fazoli's? Ooh, good answer. Right? You've been to Fazoli's. Uh, I, I have not, but just the idea of breadsticks is actually like a really so good choice here. For, for the uninitiated, Fazoli's is a fast food Italian restaurant that if you eat in the restaurant, you get as many breadsticks as you want. They come around with a little basket like the Easter bunny and a little like a like a tong and they just put it on your plate and you just keep eating it and you can eat too much of them. Um, but like if I if I could, I would like to test myself to see how many I could eat. And there's so, to see how many you can yeah, do. And they're, yeah. and, they're, and they're like I know breadsticks can be like sometimes like pretty like like hearty pieces of bread yeah this is yeah. just like so covered with grease and other stuff like it would probably you know if you if you take your fist and make a fist of it it would be the size of like a gobstopper <laughs> you know, yeah sure how, sure like, sure, sure um so that's one i'd want to try like if i had the chance yeah. to one i've done before and one i literally i got to be known as this guy at the family parties oh deviled eggs I thought, dude, I was like, is he about to say deviled eggs? Because mm, you had a look in your the eye. The family parties, you just you just know what's what's up. When they were there, I would be like that little, because I was a little pudgy, pudgy little kid. And then all of a sudden, you just see me with a plate, and I just sidle up to it the second they were brought to the table, and I'd just take them. And they'd have to stop me. They'd have to stop me because I'd eat them all. And apparently, it's not good for your stomach or something like that. Nope. But I had deviled eggs for the first time uh, on Easter this year. Here's... Hey everyone, welcome to Hitbox. This is our deviled egg review show. Uh, deviled eggs. First up, first item on the list: deviled eggs. Uh, ten out of ten. Very They're, good. Yeah, you, they must have <laughs> really a good bit of celery salt on top of it. Ooh, pa- yeah, paprika. Yeah, that's pretty good. Oof. 
Uh, my answer is sushi, by the way, in terms of what I can eat in a godly amount of. Um, I maxed out once. I had 60 individual pieces of sushi. Yeah, you've been to Sushi City, right? I've, yeah. Sushi, I've City, sushi City, not a sponsor here, but like... That's like but would be if I, we'd be open. To right. It. We'd be open to it if you want to sponsor us. Yeah. But like Sushi City, first of all, they also they also have a robot sh- like like waiter. Yeah, they do. That delivers the sushi to your table and then smiles at you. And sometimes like do you do you thank it when it delivers stuff for you? No. Oh, interesting. Should I? Which is, I don't want to be on the list when the when the war comes. That's true, because they're already ready. But I also like how when it's just yeah. sometimes, it'll just be like going through the aisle like with a, like a just two trays filled with sushi, and it has like a concerned look on its face, like it's afraid it's going to like <laughs> drop them or something. And you just see like the sweat coming. It's like... <laughs> um, so that's how you know it's sentient. But anyway, so like, yeah, I like going there, but I always tend to be the person that will eat everyone else's sushi because it's mm. all you can eat, but you have to finish what you order. Otherwise, you have to pay for yep. it. And they don't charge you that much it's not like an unreasonable amount but like you don't want to be the one to pay for it so then i start eating at the end i just start grazing on all this stuff but also then you start really hiding like the rice balls if you get rice balls you gotta hide them in the edamame bowl and you just gotta smack them down kind of smash them up a little bit it's an art it's an art but um uh so you can we go back to the fact that you haven't had deviled eggs until like recently yeah yeah let me say this as a kid i wasn't like a super adventurous eater um and my it's because like my mom wasn't really like she like like she's not a picky eater but like she she's not hopping out of the the car to try like try stuff yeah. you know what i mean yeah. um and so that sort of like translated to me and then when i uh, like went to college and like kind of became in charge of my own diet i discovered that like vegetables are great it's just that the vegetables she made and the ones that she gave us i didn't yeah, like yeah you know what they i mean so, like, right like, I don't, in the way that you like yeah, I don't really like just like frozen peas, for example. Like, I think that's really gross. Um, or like, do you know what I'm trying to say? It's like that that stuff isn't good. But then like I had a tomato and I was like, this is like the best thing a person could put in a sandwich. Like, like this belongs on every sandwich and every burrito and every burger, like hands down. You know, I, whenever I go to uh, Jimmy John's, they get a turkey tom extra tomato. That's all you need. Yeah, that sounds great. That sounds incredible. Yeah. Um, yeah. So so like the idea of eating like a deviled egg as a child to me, like, no, thanks. Um, but I, I also like, I guess I just don't like encounter them that often. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, are you an egg salad fan? Oh, yeah. Okay, good. Of course. And do you hear, do you put pickle on your egg salad? Um, I don't, but I would mm-hmm. if it, like, if you told me to do that, I would you try should try a little pickle in it. You can even cut it up. Just put it right in the mix. Let me tell you, man, I know, so, I know something about eggs. <sighs> So my roommate Josh today, we we've been having like uh, tacos recently, mm. and uh, pico de gallo salsa mm. is just so good, mm. and it just like really completes a salsa. Yeah. And so he showed me an image of pickle de gallo, where instead of tomatoes, pickles. <laughs> 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 um, and I would absolutely eat yeah, that. I, I, <laughs> like I, put that on a hot dog or like a hamburger. Yeah. Um, yeah. By the way, I'm looking over at my YouTube. Uh, I have Matt Stoney eating the cheese, and he's right now. It's done. There's a bunch of cheese crumbles on the table. It and looks bad. His it's goatee gross, is man. dripping just white shit. Yeah. I don't know what was happening Ugh. here, but I'm a little disturbed. Uh, but uh, I got to... It's on autoplay. Uh, let me tell you this, listener. I'm not telling you to watch that video, but I am telling you to check out his channel. Yeah. Dead box.
going on, everyone? Welcome back to Hitbox episode number 144. My name is Peter Hunspetek, and joining me, as always, is my wonderful friend and co-host, Justin Makovich. Justin, how are you? I'm. I saw you IRL. Yeah, we were on we, Saturday. We had a real life hangout. Um, I just we did. Uh, finished directing um, a children's play that I I wrote. Uh, not it wasn't high art. It was a thing I wrote. Um, and and the the gamer listeners will appreciate this. It was called Charlie and the Sugar Free Gluten Free Chocolate Free Factory, which is fine mm-hmm, and all. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I actually had a bunch of video game music um, as the um, as the, uh, kind of like soundtrack for it. So, um, I pulled up the good old library of David Wise. I started with Donkey Kong Country 2 as like the base for the music. And then I started finding a bunch of other, uh, David Wise music from, uh, uh, Banjo-Kazooie, Banjo-Kazooie Nuts and Bolts, um, and Donkey Kong Country 1 and 3, I used a lot of those songs for. And of course, you know, I gotta throw Duel in the Fates in there. I know that's not a David Wise, that was good. David that was good. Wise song, but uh, you, you have to have any climactic battle is not a climactic battle until you hear, hear Duel of the Fates. And I actually had this realization. So I was in third grade when uh, episode one, The Phantom Menace, came out. I don't, know if, okay. I don't know if that age makes me feel old or young to you or whatever, but like, so I was in third grade. How old were you? Mm hmm. Two. Two. Okay. Wow. Well, wait, depending on, depending on uh, you know what? I'm going to say I was probably one because I don't think it came out on December 29th. Okay. Yeah. Okay. 30th okay. or 31st. Fair. Fair. So, um, I, I, oh, Jesus Christ. Um, so, like, growing up, like, I'd watch Star Wars, like, when they came out with the, the re releases of the original four, yeah. five, and six, and they had, like, the stupid, like, you know, cantina dance scene with the little, like, lip thing going on. Um, I remember. Yeah, uh, still disturbed by that to this day. Yeah, it's not uh, good. It's, it's not, not good. Not good. <laughs> but anyway, so I associate Star Wars music not with like your traditional like four, five, and six. Duel of the Fates to me is like when I think of Star Wars, that is always the song that goes through my head when I'm thinking about yeah. anything. So like that is like to me iconic Star Wars and also like just an epic song. So I really think that if you need to get pumped up in the morning, just Duel of the Fates in the background, you're gonna get you're gonna, you're gonna have a good day. Say what you want about the prequels, John Williams went harder than anyone else did yeah yeah he was like i uh, i gotta save this it has to be me yeah, like i'm going yeah. to be the one to, to make this to, to this go um but uh yeah so it's it's over now we had our strike today so um i uh, if you if you're watching at home i am wearing a tie and a dress shirt as well as dress pants and i was sitting there unscrewing things and throwing things out i fixed a drill bit it was there was a drill oh. bit stuck in a drill that apparently was there all year and no one could do it I spent a good 20 minutes getting it out, and I was very proud of myself, and everyone was very proud of me. So it was a good day for Congratulations, me. Congratulations, yeah. yeah. Justin. We're going to talk about video game news. Uh, coming up, here's a preview at our biggest headlines. The Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom is finally here. The Microsoft Activision Blizzard deal has been approved by the EU, and 2023 marks the death of another live service game. We're going to talk about all of that and more before we do. Here's a quick reminder to join our Discord server. A link to that is in the description of this episode. Um, you can support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash hitboxpod, just like our two deluxe podcast producers, Dave Parker and Jay Noel. Every single week, those $3 deluxe podcast producers get an additional 30-minute bonus episode. Today, we're talking about how our lives have changed since uh, the last 3D uh, mainline Legend of Zelda game came out. 
Uh, and I'm I'm truly looking forward to talking to you about that, Justin. Uh, if you I, I pulled up, I pulled up pictures, so we'll have some some oh, fun. Oh, I should do that. Yeah. Okay, I will do that as well before we do it. Um, if you cannot support us monetarily as either a one dollar podcast producer or a three dollar uh, deluxe podcast producer, all good. Follow us on Twitter at HitboxPod and make sure to rate the episode um, in your podcast player of choice, Justin. Let's talk about the games that came out this week. What do you think? Let's do it. Metacritic Roundup. Two games in the Metacritic Roundup this week. Uh, the first one is Humanity. This is um, the puzzle Humanity. game coming from um, developer THA, or is it just pronounced like VA Limited? VA. They made. Um, VA. VA. They made uh, a, 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 a Tetris, Tetris effect, effect didn't yeah, they? yeah, yep, 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 and it's a um, it's a PlayStation exclusive, a PC and PlayStation, right? Yes, yeah. So this is the game. This was shown off at a recent state of play where you're like a dog, and you it's like a puzzle game. You're a dog, and you are like leading giant groups of people into like through through like sort of treacherous situations, like and, lemmings, um, like a lemmings almost. It yeah, looks like, yeah. yeah. Um, it looks interesting. I don't know. I'm going to be playing it this week for work, so I will report back next week. Um, it's the kind of thing that I, I, if Zelda weren't out right now, I would potentially buy if I didn't have to for work. Do you know what I mean? Well, I don't have to buy it because I, I have already been buying PlayStation uh, Plus Premium, whatever the fuck it is. Um, and it, oh. it's... I think the second major new release to be released on the service um, from yeah, since Stray. Stray was the first one. And then Chia. Oh, yeah, you're right. Chia. Chia. So look at me. She was great. Look at she was great. And so was Stray. Stray was on my game yeah. of the year list last year, I think. And if not, I will eat those words proudly because it, it was a good game. It was. It was. I think it was our top four. I think it was our number four. Yeah, it was five. It was surprising. Surprisingly a good game. Uh, Chia, surprisingly an enjoyable game. And to the point where I stopped playing it apparently and uh, <laughs> um and this one looks like it'd be pretty good too I do want to the the slight warning for this it's not out yet as a recording and there are only 11 critic reviews out for the PS5 um and none for the PS4 and two for the PC so it's it's currently sitting at that 84 on Metacritic so it could potentially go a little bit down from there but I gotta say, I don't know if this is my type of game. I I have to look at myself mm-hmm. in the mirror and know to know that I'm not quite a puzzle person um, when it comes to video games, um, which sounds weird. Like I like puzzles mixed with action because I like it as a break from action. I don't like it sure, as the sure. sole mechanic. So from what mm-hmm. I saw, it didn't necessarily strike my fancy as of now. But it is free for me. <laughs> um, because it's on the PlayStation service. So I might try it out because, you know, if a game is getting some good reviews and it's a little bit of a non-traditional game for what I play, you never know. I loved Hi-Fi Rush, so I don't want to look uh, look away at something just because it's not what I traditionally play. Yeah, no, I, uh, I totally agree. So I, we'll talk about this game more next week. I'm going to play it this week. Um, we'll all have some thoughts for you. And you, for you you're then. a little white dog, right? So, like, why wouldn't I like it? You're like a you're like a ghost dog or something. Like you're like glowing, like full of light. Yeah. I don't know. It looks it looks it looks striking to say the least. Yeah, yeah. It looks second game here. Yeah, I was gonna say it looks a lot like uh like a like a what do they call it? a shrine? Like a bunch of little shrines. A bunch of little shrines. Yeah. Like in our second game in the Metacritic Roundup, The Legend of Zelda, Tears of the Kingdom, scoring a ninety six 
on the Nintendo Switch um, from uh, 90 critic reviews. That's overkill, man. All, I've been all those I, review copies and we didn't get one. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's wild. I can't believe it. I can't believe it. We're boycotting Nintendo. No, it's fine. Um, I've been playing The Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom. Justin, I know you've been playing Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom. Uh, what do you think, man? I actually wanted to flip it on you for a little bit. You're a little bit further along yeah. than I am. I, I played it. I'm probably four or five hours into it, uh, which I don't think is really a big drop in the bucket at this point. Um, sure. So I have some impressions about that mark of it, but you've played it almost triple of what I have, correct? Yeah, uh, I've been I've been playing it for work, and I mean, like, you really got to twist my arm to, to make me sit down and play this thing. Like, <laughs> it's just it's just no fun at all. Um, no, obviously, I'm kidding. Uh, I I love this game. I, I like I'm in love with this game, um, and it's interesting because it's it's not exactly how I felt about the first one, or and by that I mean uh, Breath of the Wild, because uh, I did like Breath of the Wild, but I will say that I I came to it kind of late. Um, I didn't play it until 2018, like the summer 2018 going into the the fall. Um, So I was like about a year late to it. Um, Having heard like, hey, this game is incredible and all that, you know, jazz. Um, But it didn't like click with me in a way that it seems to have clicked with a lot of other people. But my goodness, there is something about Tears of the Kingdom that has just really, really grabbed me. and, And I just I can't stop playing it. Um. I was a huge fan of the original one, Um, Mm -hmm. like probably one of my all time favorite games just to like walk around and like play stuff with it with uh, in it. And uh, people will be happy to hear that this game, I think, is almost bigger and better in every single way that I can think of from Breath of the Wild. Um, But a weird thing has happened for me because it's so big. It almost is too much for me. Um, and like, I, I did that. This sounds like a me problem and I'm totally up understanding that. And I want to like say that it is like a, a, a extraordinary game from like, I think it's level of polish so far that I've seen it's level of detail. It's level of improvements fix trying to fix a lot of the, the issues that I think the first game had. Um, but I, I was talking to, um, my, my buddy about this today. And one of the things that it reminds me a lot of and this is not because of the building mechanic, but it reminds me a lot of Minecraft. And yes, and, and sure. How I mean that is that Minecraft, you still have like adju- objectives to complete if you want to beat the game, but it's like do what you want, and however you want to do that, you can do that. And mm-hmm. careful listeners will be like, "Well, isn't that what you could do in Breath of the Wild? Couldn't you do the same thing?" Well, you could. But I still think the tool set that you had was much more limited in its scope. Yes. It was much easier for me to get my brain around that. Um, And for this one, like, it just feels like there's so much and there's like you can break it in so many ways that it's not even breaking it because that's like they've literally given you these tools to do this on purpose that Mm -hmm. it just feels like sometimes simple tasks you either are overthinking them at times or you're not thinking of the simple solution. Sometimes you're just like, kind of like, like dancing around them. So it's been, it's been challenging for me to uh, really enjoy my time with it. But that being said, I can't, can't stop thinking about it. And when I'm not playing it, I want to be playing it. If that makes sense. Um, Totally. 
and I'm not, I'm not, not, that's not to say I don't like this game and I don't think it's a good game. It's to say that there's just something about it that's not hitting or scratching that same itch in the same way um, that Breath of the Wild did. Conversely, though, I have been enjoying the shrines more in this game than I have been than I did in Breath of the Wild. Because I feel like these shrines are really like focusing on the mechanics, at least the ones I've been playing, the new mechanics in a way, in an interesting puzzly way, that it allows you to mess around with those new tools in a confined way that I don't feel overwhelmed by. I think what it really is good at these shrines, for the most part, is going, it is like leading you to think of how to use these tools in a new way, in a way that you go, oh, I am going to do this the next time. You know, oh, I I didn't realize I could use springs like that, you know, or whatever. Um, So, so yeah, I I totally I'm on the same page there with where I think the shrines are a lot better. Um, Also, like I've had I've encountered my fair share of the like combat shrines, but usually the combat shrines aren't just kill this enemy. Now they're like, um, use this mechanic to kill this enemy. And a lot of those combat shrines were like right in, in the like beginning area. Like after you, when, once you get like access to the full game um, and those shrines are just like, here's how you can use a fury rush, which is the thing where if you do like a, if you avoid an attack, you can, you can sort of like slow down time and, and do a bunch of attacks really fast. Um, and so those are nice as, since they just function as like quick tutorials. And I imagine that I'm not, not going to find a lot of those, as I continue, because I haven't been finding them ever, ever since leaving that starting area. But um, uh, do you? Yeah, do, no, I, I agree. Do you want to maybe talk about like just some of the differences in the game that you've noticed uh, as to where you are? Because I think like uh, the the hundred yard view view of this is it's pretty similar in terms of the setup. You start off in a big tutorial area where you get uh, your powers one by one. Then mm-hmm. you get to the surface and all of a sudden you have four objectives to trace, uh, to chase on the four edges of the map in different places. Um, and like the general conceit seems to be the same from far out, but it's not at all. Yeah, it, it's the sort of thing where like the. The, the story, like the story and, and I feel like Breath of the Wild was very simple. It was pretty much just sort of like kicking you outside over the summer and being like, go play. And then when you're done, come back. You know what I mean? Like, go do whatever you want. Take care of the divine beasts and whatever. And then whenever you're ready, go fight Ganon. You know, whereas this one, uh, the story is a little bit more complicated. Um, And what you do when you get to those objectives is a little bit more complicated. The uh, additional like side objectives, there's like side quests, like small little like side activities. I think they're called like side objectives. And then there's like other pretty beefy main story quests that you can go do um, that, that sort of flesh things out a little bit more. Um, So yeah, like on the surface, it does look like it's very similar, especially because um, on the ground, the world is the exact same. And by that, I mean, like the layout is the same. But when you actually end up going to the places that you're going, um, turns out things are really, really different. Uh, I just got done doing the first um, objective. Basically, like the game, like you said, similar to the first game, it says go to these four different places. But they kind of tell you, hey, if you're looking for one to go to first, go here. Um, 
so I did the I did the first one. That's with the Rito. They're the bird people, who I think were maybe the third one or the fourth one in the uh, original game. They they were always and, in my in my canon. The second one you'd go to, I'd go to the Zoro domain first, and I'd go to the Rita village because I like their power that you got to jump up. Oh sure, in the original yeah. Game, but it, it, you um, are correct. It is the third one. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, so like, so I've completed that, and that whole quest was pretty cool. Um, when you get there, there, um, it reminds me a little bit of Majora's Mask in that, like, the different like places you go in Majora's Mask, um, the people there are having like this big problem where, like, hey, usually our life is like this, but because of this thing that's happening, uh, like now there's like bad weather. If you remember the Gorons in Majora's mask are like in a blizzard and like the, the Deku people are in uh, like the, the swamps been poisoned and all that sort of stuff. So the Rito um, you go there and they're in a blizzard as well. And so you kind of get to the bottom of what's causing the blizzard. You help stop the blizzard. And then um, you get information on the conceit of what you're trying, like the overarching goal, which I don't, I don't know if it's like common knowledge. So I don't want to spoil necessarily. Uh, Cause it also does take like a second to kind of get there and figure out like what actually the big objective is. Um, but uh, yeah, I, you go there and it is cool because you, it's been like four years or really five years for me since I've played the original game. And for a lot of other people, it's going to be, you know, five plus years since they played the original. Um, and there's a lot of places that I do recognize. I remember the Rito place. I remember their like sky city sort of thing. I remember like the bridges you need to use to get to them and, and all that sort of stuff. Um, but it's different enough because of the weather. And while that sounds like it's a superficial change, it's actually pretty significant because weather plays a really big part in how you get around in this game. Uh, if you're in the cold, you need like clothes that are going to keep you warm or you need to uh, figure out how to stay near fire so that you don't get hurt or you need to figure out how to eat um, like food that will keep you warm and give you like frost resistance. There's a lot of different ways to go about it. I just went the route of getting warm clothes because that felt like the simplest thing to me. Um, but it's, it's kind of neat in that like I was like, oh, I do remember this place and I remember all this stuff, but it's different enough for me to feel like this is a, a separate experience. Um, and, and again, while it is superficially similar, uh, it, it plays differently, especially because the mechanics are so different. Like you said, um, th those powers that you get right off the bat, I think are way better than the ones in breath of the wild because they make you look at getting around and they make you look at the world completely different. They may, as opposed to like the first one is like, Oh, you got a magnet. So you can just use a big magnet on, on any metallic objects or, Oh, um, I'm forgetting some of the other one. You get the bombs, like the remote bombs, and then you or whatever. Get the ice, the the cryosis, and the, oh, and yeah. the stasis yeah, yeah, yeah. that you hit something once it's frozen to like launch it. Oh right, right. And those are cool, but I I found them to be when I played like very situationally useful. Um, I never thought like in in this game you have so many options for how you want to complete a problem. And in the other game, it felt a lot like, well, you just have the one. You want to cross a big a big lake. Well, I guess you're just going to do that sort of game where you're making an ice block and then jumping to the ice block and making another one and then jumping and then doing that. Um, whereas this, it's like, okay, well, I could build a raft using um, using uh, the ultra hand to to make a raft to to swim across the lake. Or you know, I look above me. There's a big tree branch. I could use. Um, uh, 
what's where you go, go up ascend i think um to get up in th- in into the tree branch and up on top of it and run across that to get over the lake or oh i could use this or that or whatever uh and i think that 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 those tools really make me engage with the things that are happening a little bit more it also makes the like the one tool um the fuse tool makes every single item that you pick up kind of interesting because you're like well i wonder what this does whereas i feel like in the first game you got so much just garbage you know what i mean that i'm just i'm not gonna put all of these horns from the bokoblins into like these elixirs and whatever. Like, I'm just not going to do that. Whereas in this, I find a new horn and I'm like, Oh my gosh, this thing, if I fuse this with my sword, it's going to make like a really, really good sword. Um, and, and I don't know, like to me, that just makes finding new stuff really exciting. Um, I feel like I just talked for a long time. No, no, no. I think I, I, I mean, you're, you're a little bit further along with it than me. Um, Mm -hmm. again, I, I, I don't want to sound like I, I don't like the game because I think I, I am sitting here recognizing it, recognizing that it's a good game. I'm recognizing that it's better than Breath of the Wild in almost every one of its mechanics, but like it's ballooned yeah. to a point where it seems overwhelming for me five hours in. It is big. Um, Have you? Um, OK, so so we're going to talk just like general game stuff. And and I think we sort of mentioned this with like when we were talking about Star Wars, like we have to be able to talk about the game. And I like I know people are like worried about spoilers. We're not going to spoil any like major mechanic stuff. We're not going to spoil any like uh, story stuff or anything like that. But like, do you know what I'm trying to say, Justin? Yeah, like, is it yeah. cool if we talk about yeah, things? I guess it's time we can talk about Tingle. Yes. Tingle is not in the game. <laughs> As of I've not found him yet. He wasn't in the first one. Uh, he's not I haven't seen him, but it's not to say he's not there. But um, so so if if you're cool with that listener understanding that, like, we're not going to talk about anything that you're not going to find within the first two hours of the game or, or so. Um, just understand that we're going to talk about some mechanics. So, yes, it is big. When you start the game, you start on a big sky island called like the Great Sky Island or something. <laughs> it's like the Great you, you Plateau. See, you see Plateau crossed out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like exactly. Right. It. Um, and that's just like the tutorial era, right? Uh, and then you get to the bottom, to the to the ground, and it's just like, oh, here's the same map with you know a bunch of different changes made to it. Um, and then also, you end up going down into the depths, which is a whole additional map that is underneath, <laughs> underneath the ground with new mechanics and new um, yes. ways to interact with the world too. That. It, it's not just like more it's like more and different it's more and different and pushes you to use all the mechanics that you are finding and, and all that sort of stuff um and yeah like i get that it's like it is big and it is overwhelming and as someone who's working on this game i get it i get it. i'm supposed to find all of the bosses justin that's a them's a lot of bosses it what um, what constitutes as a boss Anytime that a big health bar okay, shows good. up at the top like, of the screen. This might be like a minor spoiler because I was just walking through the world and all of a sudden a tree gets up and starts smacking me with its head. Isn't that fun? Isn't that exciting the first time that happens? You're like, what's going on here? Yeah. Tw- what's, what's this about? Twin to boss, though. Twas not. Uh, and also died like a little, like a like a baby. Because, hey, axe, <laughs> hey, tree, guess what? I make an axe out of a rock and a stick. And I'm putting your ass in the grave. <laughs> and then you know what I'm going to do, man? I'm going to chop up your body and put it in my, my pocket uh, uh, as, it, as wood. It's going to be like if someone murdered you with like a human bone. <laughs> and it's just yeah. like, this is... <laughs> I'd be like, I deserve this. I was kind of an asshole there for <laughs> jumping out and scaring him like that. 
Um, yeah, but it's huge. And you, when you find that, like the depths, that's the moment for me where I was like, whoa, it felt similar to like Elden Ring when you go down to the, like the underground section. And that's a little bit smaller. It seems than this is, uh, in terms of like one-to-one for being like the, the surface world and then underneath. Um, but like, it, it was exciting to me because I am just so into the way that the mechanics have evolved to be about like everything you find in my opinion. Now I'm excited because I, when I find new resources, I'm like, Ooh, I wonder what this does or Ooh, I know what this does. I need this, you know, as opposed to in the other game I, where I'm finding like all sorts of shit and I'm like, this is, it's all garbage. I am not going to use these horns. I'm not going to use these wings, feathers, whatever. Like I just need mushrooms and, and the meat and then I'm good, you know? Um, but so I'm the kind of person yeah. who is end an RPG with like a hundred potions in your inventory that you were too afraid to use kind of person. Yeah. Right. And this game doesn't encourage that. And it's really hard no. to break my habit of that as a gamer, uh, because literally the first time I broke that habit, Peter, I got fucked. I got fucked by this game in the very beginning. <laughs> Can I tell you what happened to me on the great sky Island? Please do. Okay. And again, I'm, I'm going to talk through my path. I'm not really going to spoilers, but much like the first game, you have to go to three shrines to get three different powers. So I go to the first one, get my first power. It was the uh, hand one, the, the gooby yeah. hand. Then I go to the second one and I get a uh, the combined one. The What is it called? The fuse. fuse power. And then after you get the fuse power, it's like, why don't you check over in this area? See what's going on in here. And then, like, it does, like, a little, like, camera thing, and I walk over to that cage, a, a cave, I do the thing, um, and then I travel up, and I get to this one area, I do all these little mini puzzles to get to the top of it, and then I'm staring at, like, this area with the final shrine in it, it's also, like, the cold area, and I'm like, yeah. oh, I gotta get over there, is there a way for me to get over there, and there's no convenient way that they had lined up for me to get there, so I'm like, I'm gonna get over there, so I cut down a couple trees, four trees to be exact, fused them all together, and then I made a bridge from where I was to where the the snow place was. And I was mm-hmm. like, this is really cool that I'm able to do this. Is this like this kind of creative that they wanted me to do this? Little did I know, that wasn't the way you were really supposed to get up there. The way to get up there to get like your um, like spicy peppers to make a meal or whatever like that. So I get up there and I am like going through my resources like crazy. It's early enough in the game that I was just kind of like whatever. So I like ate up all my food. I get to the top eventually and I get to the shrine. Um, and then I complete the shrine, come out with full health. And I'm like, I'm going to teleport to the next shrine. My friend, you cannot teleport at this point of the game. Not so I am stuck on the top of this snowy fucking mountain <laughs> with nothing in my inventory, like nothing yeah. edible, nothing to do, like. And I had, you know, the three hearts at the time, so I wasn't able to do anything. So then I'm trying to do every possible way. I spent like 30 minutes and this might sound fun. Like, maybe this is part of the fun of the game, but I was, like, literally soft-locked in this game. I tried to jump off the edge, and whenever I get in the water, it was cold water, so I would die somehow. Um, I tried to run back to this cave I got to, but every time I'd either fall down too much and die from fall damage, um, or I would die of, of losing my three hearts by the time I got to this cave, to the point where I literally had to go back and, like, use an old save in order to move forward. And I know this Mm -hmm. is not, like, indicative of the whole game. It's early in the game. You don't have a lot of your powers and things yet at this point. You don't have the ability to teleport to to places yet. But it was just so frustrating that within the first two hours of this game, it was like my creativity was actively – it punished me 
for trying to get to a place that I probably shouldn't have gotten to. And the language sure. of the game didn't make it so like you shouldn't go up there. And I kind of mm-hmm. got myself in this position that I got stuck. And at, in all my times playing Breath of the Wild, I had never had that experience before um, to a place where me trying to push the boundaries of the game a little bit got me so- st- stuck in a place where I couldn't go any further and I had to revert to another save. And... I'm just hoping that as I keep playing the game, like I'm sure that stuff's not going to happen again as you can do like get out of most situations and stuff like that. It was just a really frustrating way to start the game because as I said, your creativity is what punished me in this situation. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, but other than that, I still I still am enjoying the game, and I, I I can't stop thinking about it when I'm not playing it. Um, I just don't think I'm to that point where I'm really enjoying myself as I'm playing it. I know what you mean. Um, I like, and and I I totally get that an experience like that, especially right at the beginning, is just going to be not fun, you know, and just like kind of kill any of that enthusiasm, like especially right out the gate. Um, I, I would say that you probably won't get you can't get stuck like that because you can fast travel yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. You so, know, so like that stuff's gone. Worst. That stuff's like like that shouldn't be an issue or whatever. But um, uh, yeah. I mean, I I I. I Nintendo did it. I'm shocked this game runs as well as it does. It's it's incredible. I think, you know, you get slow down when you pull out the ultra hand when you're in like places with a lot of items. But it's the sort of thing that like it's it never happens. It's not like for me with like Jedi Survivor where like I was getting like a lot of slowdown when um, I was getting like a lot of slowdown when I was uh, like in combat with enemies you know where where like the when the, that sort of stuff matters so slow down when i'm just building some stuff doesn't really affect my enjoyment or anything like that and even when it dips it jumps up pretty pretty quickly afterwards um yeah i don't know like like i think that from a technical perspective this game is pretty sound i haven't hit, had any weird bugs or anything like that um it, it's a game that i think really allows you to try and outsmart it a little bit i know that you got punished there for that but what i will say about what that it was cool about that opening and especially climbing that mountain is that the pants that you get that are like weatherproof not weatherproof but like that are warm pants are at the top of the mountain they're not at the base of the mountain so what it does is it teaches you how to it teaches you other solutions than clothes for staying warm and i think that that's actually kind of cool because like i am just gonna go and say okay well i'm just gonna use warm clothes but it opens the door um by having people go like oh hold on a second like well if i eat a bunch of peppers and make some fires eat a bunch of different food like there are options for me to solving these problems that are not going to be just the most obvious solutions you know and i do think you're right though what you said earlier about sometimes you overthink them and whatever um and that just i think comes with the territory of having a lot of tools and stuff like that but i just i can't love this game anymore which is surprising because again i I liked breath of the wild but i wasn't like the most hot on it um and this i just i can't stop yeah i just can't stop um one thing i love i love the ascendability i feel like in terms of how Mm -hmm. i maneuver the world i feel like i'm constantly looking for places to ascend to um and like use that power when i can um and so far like some of the the shrines i did that have like puzzles using it have used it in a pretty cool way um 
I I appreciate that I definitely see a stronger focus on story, but that's come at a little bit of like a like a, a cost because boy, some of the parts of this game are chatty as fuck. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and yeah. like they have a bunch of objectives and it's like you have to go to this location, talk to a person, and then come back. And like, yeah, you can teleport to get back to that place, but it's like and that didn't that wasn't talking to this guy at the top of this bridge did not quite do it for me in terms of making it worth getting to that location and stuff like that. Um, but it does have the stories, the, the story that I think the first game, uh, lacked, um, in, in a way. Um, so yeah, I'm going to, I feel like, Oh, go ahead. Go on. I was going to, I was going to lander lander. I feel like contributing to the chattiness is the fact that this is a sequel and now all the characters know who you are. So, like, because in the first one, it was 100 years after you disappeared. So, like, if even if people did kind of recognize you, they'd be just like, oh, you kind of look like this guy that is from these stories we knew about. Um, whereas now it's like, oh, Link, my friend who I know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, like, let me and, fucking dodge And it seems so funny when someone is like, hey, you look just like Link. That sword wielder. They, they call you, like, the sword wielder or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think the postman said something like that. The flying bird guy, when you met him the first mm-hmm. time, said something yeah. like that. I was just like, oh, it's pretty funny. Um, but... Um, they also do a much better job of marking things on the map. I know some people like the minimalist, yeah. the minimalism of the map, but they have like, I forget what they say is secret location discovered. It's something that they say when you it's, get to like, it just says like discovery, discovery. And it's like, Oh, and that stuff is marked on the map in a much better way, um, than before. So the map is a little bit more populated once you discover the stuff, but it's not like you can like travel there. And I just think it helps me when I'm like thinking about where the areas are not having to have another map up because as much as people can tell you that having this blank map that you put the icons in is perfect, most people will be using a guide <laughs> or something to right, follow yeah. the map anyway. So then you have to have another thing out. It's just nice when the game does that for you and just breaks that barrier for me leaving the game um, at, at all points. So Tears of the Kingdom, it hasn't made me cry yet. I I, I can't get, I truly can't get enough. I just like, I put. it's just, all my time is just disappearing in this video game. And it's so good. <laughs> it's so good. Um, and I think I think my favorite part about it, and I think this is like one of the comparisons that I, I've struggled to make with like Elden Ring um, last year, is that the gameplay loop of this and Elden Ring um, are kind of similar. And I don't mean like the stri- like strictly like mechanically because they're not at all, but they both have that thing of like you just go, huh? What is that? And then you go over there and you check it out. And that is always something. It's always like, oh, there's something cool here or there's, you know, this whole optional area or I found this or that or whatever. Um, And the fact that the game is okay with you missing that stuff, you know, like, uh, you know, there's so many, how many things are you missing as you, as you run around and whatever. Um, But the things that you do catch are, it's just so special because you know that if you weren't looking for it, you would have missed it. I think that just like, is so exciting you know what i mean yeah uh another thing those elden ring and tears of the kingdom have in common is both have um npcs that when you talk to them they end conversations with (laughs) yeah totally (laughs) totally um there is going to be a lot more uh breath of the wild not breath of the wild tears of the kingdom talk uh as as we go on here um do you, do you have anything else to add here, or are you good with, with moving no, on a this little will, bit? No, this will be a good little gobstopper game that, that will be... I don't think it'll ever end. Uh, no. No, there's enough in here to um, keep me full for quite some time. Um, I'm just... I'm happy. I'm happy about it. And I know people are, are we're saying, like, oh, my gosh, you know, Tears of the Kingdom is going to be, like, 
it's going to be clear that we need to switch to now. Uh, I don't think so. I think that this game shows that the Switch is still a pretty solid console. And I would say that, um, you know, we, we talked about this a lot with Pokemon, that in the hands of a developer who knows what they're doing, um, not to say Game Freak doesn't, but that uh, in the hands of a developer that understands what the Switch is capable of and where its limitations lie, I think games can still look excellent on the switch yeah and stupid game you know, freak you stupid messed up people make a better game they're, they're did you see this they announced that they're making a game that's not pokemon oh is it called broken world <laughs> no it's like some samurai game i think oh that's cool um yeah but i will say this though tears of the kingdom is developed in part by monolith soft now, Monolith Soft, we know them. We love them. Love them. For their work on Xenoblade 1, Xenoblade 2, and Xenoblade 3, as well as support for Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild, Splatoon 2, Animal Crossing New Horizons, and Splatoon 3. You, you, so they're kind of, in my opinion, the best studio you, at Nintendo right now. You missed Xenoblade Chronicles X. I've, I'm a little offended. Did they work on that one? I'm sorry. I'm looking at a... Excuse me. I'm looking at a graphic of all of the games in the nintendo switch that they've worked yeah, on okay. so yes i did not yeah. i did not catch the um because you you might have the, forgotten that uh, breath of the wild was actually a wii u game first so oh that it was you played it twice didn't you <laughs> once on the wii u once on the switch yeah we'll be talking about my adventures on the wii u on our bonus episode <laughs> so if you are interested in hearing justin makovich's take on the wii u make sure to head on over to patreon.com slash hitbox pod become a three dollar deluxe podcast producer uh, and you'll hear all about that. Justin, before Breath of the Wild, not Breath of the Wild, before Tears of the Kingdom came out, I played through the entirety of Star Wars The Force Unleashed. Oh, my gosh. What a pile of shit. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> oh, that, that that escalated. It went from just being, ooh, what a to, oh, no, oh, no. What? Okay, wow, wow. Yeah, it's it's not good. Um, In my mind, like, I look back on it being like, this is, like, a great, like, one of the best Star Wars stories that tells, like, a really nuanced tale about the light side and the dark side of the force and it's not it's bad it's real bad i paid eight eighteen dollars for it on the xbox marketplace <laughs> i i can't think like it star wars went through that period that was a lot like they're just overusing this property almost like uh like is it like what uh they did with resident evil almost like they just kind of overuse it and they're just getting it out there just like, as much as yeah, we can as possibly, much as we can possibly yeah, yeah, yeah. like 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 churn out there and uh, there was that huge time when like there was just this like quality decline in the games um i mean kotor came out was huge people loved it critically acclaimed yeah. whatever but like then just more and more stuff and it's just like eh, i mean these games don't really hold up man um so i'm sorry you had to put yourself through that are you starting force unleashed 2 what i hear is the worst of the two uh, yeah, I, I remember even as a kid being like, this is bad. <laughs> uh, and I really liked Force Unleashed 1. Uh, by the way, just if you're curious, Force Unleashed 1 got a 73 on Metacritic, and the Force Unleashed 2 is 61. Um, mm. So, like, it, it was well received, relatively well received uh, at the time. The first one was, the second one was not. Um, but, uh, yeah, it, it was disappointing, though. Um, it was one of those things where I knew it wasn't going to play great just because, like, I think, like, the... Star Wars Jedi Survivor and Fallen Order like really got down lightsaber combat uh, in a way that this game did not. But um, yeah, just just disappointing all around, especially because I was looking for something, like I said, with a little bit more of a nuanced take between light and dark side after I was I was left wanting more from uh, Jedi Survivor. But 
don't play Star Wars The Force Unleashed. Or if you do, don't pay $18 for it. That's not that much money. It was enough for me to be mad about it. <laughs> uh, Justin, you play anything else this week? Yeah. Um, so, uh, hi, everyone. I, we, if you listen to our last week episode, uh, we were talking about this game called Redfall. Mm-hmm. You remember that game? Um, and, I do. And I said, um, this is not like, I don't even think I prefaced it this way. I'm just going to say what I said. I like the game more than um, uh, 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 Dishonored. Um, Justin, it's one of the most shameful things you've ever said on our mm-hmm, show. Mm-hmm. And you, as the great co-host, you knew the hole I just dug myself, and you kindly yeah. said, that's because Redfall is more of your type of game, not that it's a better yes. game. And I, 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 put my, I dug deeper, and I said, I'd just rather, yeah, you were like, I'd no. rather play it. <laughs> I just did not have fun with, uh-huh. with Dishonored. Um, so then, of course, we go and play our, our uh, uh, Let's Play on the bonus episode, and of course, just... Weird ass bugs happening. Um, we could, yeah, we could pretty much broken, broken. from the, from the yeah, second we started. Yeah, um, and it ended with us not being able to press pause or do anything. And I was constantly, I guess, for most of the let's play, I was probably in a crouching position when Gyrating I was like, yeah, through, through the, the ground. ground. Yes. Okay, so then, then I was like, hey, you know, I'm going to play this game a little bit more. So after we recorded that, I went back and I put the, I booted the game back on Peter, and I started playing it more. And I went into one of those, um, those tears or whatever they're called, those uh, vampire like the nests. Vampire dens. The vampire dens. And uh, I have been brought back to all those shitty shooter games from 2000 where I'm hiding around a corner as all the vampires just cannot get a lock on me as I'm using all my weapons to just slowly like shoot into these tanky enemies that take like hundreds of bullets to kill. And they're not doing any damage because they can't get to me because I found a way to get past them. And then I get out and then uh, I, I beat it and I get out and then I'm just in the open world again. And there's like four vampires who are all just as tanky except I'm in the open world so i can't hide anywhere and then i die and i looked at myself and i was like this game is terrible peter (laughs) it's pretty bad man Um, so do you are there any are there any statements from last week that you want to maybe retract or are we sort of sticking with what you went with i would be more likely to play redfall than dishonored because because of the type of the game no because we could play with each other that's true and i'll say this we didn't have a bad time. No, no, because we weren't because it focused was... on the game like at all, which <laughs> yeah, I don't know exactly. if that's like the, yeah. the thing to go. But um, yeah, like Dishonored, I've, I've tried that game twice. I don't think I'll come back to it. I might play two eventually. Um, this game I played this time. And again, I, the only time I'd come back if someone's like, hey, you want to get back into Redfall? And I'll be like, yeah, I'll put, on, I'll put on my fire suit and my helmet again. And uh, I'll, I'll, I'll go back in if you want to go with me. But um, yeah, it's just... Uh, it, it's it's a game from it feels like it's a game from PlayStation One era. <laughs> yes, it does. Where it just it just doesn't with feel graphics complete. from the PlayStation Two era. <laughs> yeah, everything's like really gummy and like like flat. It's it's not a good looking game. Yeah. So. Um. Yeah. Well, I did you delete it? I deleted it. No. I played one more mission where I went to um, a mansion and I had to like find dolls. Did you do this? No. 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 Okay. No. I did that mission. It was completely uninteresting and not fun. And I was like, fuck this. Yeah. Goodbye. Yeah. No, I just, to be honest, I haven't turned on my Xbox since that moment. Um, gotcha. So. Sort of sitting in shame. Yeah. Um, yeah. I understand. Okay. Justin, let's talk about the news. Let's do it. Zelda news. It's out. It's here. And we love it. Moving on. I'm kidding. Uh, more Zelda news is that, believe it or not, it's selling pretty well. 
Now, I could have told you this. Don't need to be an industry insider or analyst or nothing to say. The new Zelda game is going to probably sell pretty well. Um, but in the UK, um, it has already uh, jumped to the top of the bestseller list in all sorts of different categories. So uh, according to GamesIndustry.biz, this article titled The Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom is the second biggest Nintendo launch in UK history by Christopher Dring. Uh, I'm just going to read you some of these stats here we have. So, again, this is all based out of the UK where their sales numbers, I think, are, are a little bit more public, as we've seen over the, over and, the years here. Yeah, right. Um, so the biggest Nintendo UK launches in terms of week one revenue. So the money made. Um, Tears of the Kingdom is sitting at number two below the Wii Fit balance board from 2008. So unclear if that's going to be dethroned, but... Um, because it's not been a week since the game's been out. But in just a few days, it's already beaten the likes of Pokemon Scarlet and Violet and Pokemon Sun and Moon, which were the previous two and three slots. Um, obviously, Pokemon sells a lot, so they, they are all frequently going to be on these Nintendo lists here. Um, so then the next thing, the next notable um, uh, milestone for Tears of the Kingdom is, is uh, the biggest Nintendo UK launch in terms of week one unit sales. So these are... Um, like the number of sales that it makes as opposed to the revenue that it rakes in. Um, so number one is Pokemon Sun and Moon. Number two is Pokemon Scarlet and Violet. Number three is the Wii Fit and plus balance board. And then number four is Tears of the Kingdom. Uh, in terms of physical only week one sales in the UK, The Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom is number one. <laughs> it gets better from which, there. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, it's it's crazy. Number two, I think this is just the Zelda games, though. Oh, right? okay. I thought, I yeah, thought big, it was just all the, the physical ones. And for whatever reason, they're just hot on Zelda. Okay, that makes sense. Oh, it's just the top 10 Zelda games yeah. just sell like crazy in the UK. No, uh, this is this is uh, all in terms of like compared to other Zelda games. Um, Tears of the Kingdom is number one in terms of physical sales in the UK, which is wild for two reasons. One, because it's been, what, five days since the game came out. And two, because... The rest of the games on this list, I mean, they get older and older as they go. So, like, their physical sales are going to be more because digital wasn't an option, right? So, in case you're interested. Number one is Zelda uh, Tears of the Kingdom. Number two is Breath of the Wild, um, which obviously had the option of Switch and Wii U. Uh, number three is The Wind Waker. Number four is Twilight Princess. It's only listed as the Wii, but I'm gonna I'm curious if the uh, GameCube version fits into that. Number three is Ocarina of Time for the N64. Number or sorry, number five is Ocarina of Time N64. Number six is Skyward Sword. Number seven is Skyward Sword HD. So for the that was the uh, Switch re-release. Number uh, eight is Link's Awakening, and that's again the Switch remake. Number nine is the Spirit Tracks on the DS. Never played that one. Heard it was good. I liked Phantom Hourglass. Um, and number ten is Ocarina of Time 3D again. That is on the 3DS. Um, uh, just looking, so, just looking at that list yeah. real quick. I, I'm like taking Tears of the Kingdom off that because I haven't played enough of it yet. The the top four Zelda games being Breath of the Wild, Wind Waker, Twilight Princess, and Ocarina of Time. I don't disagree with that. I know yours is not quite like that. Yours isn't even making the list for your favorite. Yeah, Majora's Mask is yeah. on here, but it's for weirdos and perverts like me. Oh, what well, that? Uh, you, well, kidding. Jesus! <laughs> oh my God! Um, <laughs> No, no, I, I kid. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I didn't finish Twilight Princess, um, but I also didn't have like I didn't own a copy of it. Uh, I like I like Wind Waker. Ocarina of Time is an all time classic um, that I feel like I could probably replay better and easier than I could Majora's Mask. 
like Ocarina of Time was like where we hung out as kids. You oh know yeah, what I mean? like that's yeah. like that's where I grew up right there. Yeah, it's my home. Majora's Mask was the next town over that we that I played in as an adult and went, hmm, this is art. Uh, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, but in terms of bang for your buck, Ocarina of Time, you're not going to have a bad time with. Um, so yeah, so surprising no one, the uh, Tears of the Kingdom is selling uh, extraordinarily well. Um, speak, um, say in Europe, it sold uh, half a million units already in France. So they they love Tears of the Kingdom. There's some excellent French looking mustaches in this game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, speaking of Europe, though, um, the Microsoft Activision Blizzard deal. Um, has been approved by the EU, that's the European Union, which does not include England anymore. Uh, and that has been sort of, we've known that <laughs> in terms of like those business decisions, gubernatorial decisions as well. Um, because of uh, last week, the week after, we heard that the CMA was blocking their deal and was not going to approve it. Uh, they are obviously trying to um, appeal to them and, and whatnot. But for the EU, they have passed it along and said that it is all good, which is a pretty big win for Microsoft just because it seems like the CMA blocking it, the, the English um, commission board, uh, that is, it seems like a pretty big hurdle for them to have to get over. And so for them to not have to deal with that with the, the majority of the rest of Europe uh, seems to be pretty good. What do you think of this? Anything? Uh, the one thing that came out to me that was pretty interesting was how Microsoft basically agreed to release everything that it was going to be releasing on cloud gaming to other cloud mm. services, competing cloud services. So they weren't going to just lock in their cloud service games. Like uh, Call of Duty is going to be on the cloud only on Xbox. They basically said, and this is a big like global win, I think, that if there's a, a service that has cloud gaming, they're going to put their games on it. Um, and I think that's, I, I think this, this sticks in line with Microsoft's goal here is to make money, not to beat Sony. And they're going to put their yeah. games on as many places as possible to get as much money as possible. Um, and there's a world in a future where I'm sure Microsoft will just want to like put their games everywhere, including Sony, if they would like to, and, which they will if they get Call of Duty, obviously. But um, yeah, I, I, I think this is interesting. Just another card. But it's just it's very interesting to me as someone who's not really into these huge business deals, like these kind of like this wheeling and dealing that has to go on with these companies when these things get approved. Like you can't just buy a company. You, you got to go through all these little like, like little loopholes to do that. And like globally, what Europe's complaints are impacts the rest of the world too. Like, I, I just don't understand how like this works in this kind of way, but um, I, it still doesn't affect me at all. I don't know how it affects no. me. Not zero. And I The games will come out. I'll play them, but and this is the sort of thing, too, where it's just like it is just inching along this deal, oh, just man. continuing to just sort of worm its way forward. And, and th this is one step closer to us maybe not having to hear about it. Anymore, <laughs> so. like, that's really going to be the victory. <laughs> to be honest, it is like it was exciting initially because I was like, yeah, this would be neat. And then now here we are two years later or whatever. And I'm just like, please, can we just we stop talking about this. I don't know. Like, like everything, you know, these new pieces of information I think are interesting and, and worth talking about a little bit, but, um, soon it will be, it will all, all be done. <laughs> and by soon, I mean in seven years, in seven long years. Um, do you remember vampire, the masquerade blood hunt? Uh, I remember you talking about it. Yeah, I did play this game. Yeah. This was a battle Royale set in the vampire, the masquerade universe, uh, which, <sighs> 
to me means nothing. <laughs> to me, it means <laughs> to means it means nothing. It's truly nothing. I've not played a single one of the Masquerade Vampire the, the Masquerade games, um, but this did not seem to be necessarily in the spirit of those games. To my understanding, those were like RPGs um, and not battle royale shooters, <laughs> right? You know, right. Um, but so this game, uh, yeah, came out when was this February or maybe March of last year? Um, I covered it at Game Ranks, so not that long ago. Um, but it has Shark Mob, the developer behind it, has made an announcement that the game failed to quote reach the critical mass needed to sustain development, and that uh, the game is going to remain play- playable for as long as they uh, have players who are uh, interested in, in playing it, whatever. But um, the ability to like purchase their premium currency and stuff like that is going to be ending in September, and like continued development for it is also going to be shutting down this year um so that's another one of the the many 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 live service uh games that are are being sort of axed this year i don't know to me i bet there are like six people playing this right now (laughs) probably like i would imagine that they're having a hard time filling those matches you know what i mean yeah um i this is like uh this this is the company's hope to chase that great white whale of a successful live service game um, I really yeah. think that's the trend, and very few of these games actually turn out to be um, the perfect money maker games for them. So I, you know, I, it'd be interesting to to note from uh, what was the company Shark Mob? Shark Mob. It would be interesting to know if this game was like a profitable venture for them, and maybe they just started to see that it was starting to become not profitable, which is why they stopped with the updates for it. Or maybe they're working on something new. Maybe they were able to fund something else with it. And I'm sure the people who play this game for the first year, if they got fun out of it, I'm hoping they enjoyed it enough to enjoy uh, make their purchase of their premium currencies worth it. But um, I, I don't know. I think everyone wants to be Fortnite and Destiny, but nobody is Fortnite or Destiny. No, it's tough to to know as well, because I mean, like this is a free to play shooter. You know what I mean? Like, like that's that's tough Um, because they have to make their money off of those microtransactions and whatever. And I feel like uh, a game like this, if it's not being played by that many people, I feel like people are going to be potentially less inclined to want to spend real money on it. You know what I mean? Yeah, Um, if, if it is free to play, you know, whereas in Fortnite, you know, I'll buy a skin or you people will buy whatever because they're like, well, I play this a lot and there's a lot of people playing this with me, you know, whereas like a game like this, if you're maybe just playing alone or, or whatever, like you might not be uh, as as big of a deal. Um, I think this is their first game, though. I'm on their website and it says one company, two studios, three games. And it says Vampire Blood Hunt, Vampire the Masquerade Blood Hunt, and then two more projects. Um, and it doesn't say what, although they do have job listings. You interested? You want to be a shark mob? I'd I'd do it. Let's see. Anything interesting that I can do? You could be part of Fantastic People. They have standing desks. Um, I like that. Yeah, uh, Endless Potential. The company or you? It really depends. Um, Are you ready to make games? You see, like they're sitting there playing the games. Look how happy they look playing that. And I'm pretty sure at that point they're probably like debugging something. So there's no way it can be as fun as it is, unless they just found like a game breaking bug that was really funny, and their characters are like going like this or like crouching through the floor. Maybe that's what they're laughing at. So are you ready to make um, games, Peter? I just looked <laughs> through the listings and none of them seem to be um, in my wheelhouse. Oh, okay. Well, uh, I mean, I could try being a combat designer. How about this? Make it better. 
I'm, I do not remember you, liking the shooter. You have a, you you have a bunch of lightsabers in your house. I'm sure I'm sure you've put one in your hand. You know how to swing that thing around. You know you know what to do. You can get get some That's good actually combat. a very fair point. Yeah. yeah. That's actually a super fair point. Um Justin, here's something I, I kind of want to talk about with you. Uh this is not in our show notes. Um, oh, surprises. I, yeah, this is this is something interesting that I think is worth talking about. Um, so this is an article from Digital Trends uh, by Thomas Franzesi. Um, I just sent it to you in our Discord chat. Um, that asks the question, it's titled this, how many games featured in Xbox's 2022 showcase actually launched within 12 months? If you remember last year at Summer Games Fest, Xbox had a showcase, um, and it came out with what I'm going to call big dick energy where they basically showed off like they they walked out and said everything you are seeing you is going eat. to be <laughs> everything in this room is edible <laughs> uh, <laughs> phil spencer then proceeded to eat a full chair which was insane and 100 um, pieces of craft singles <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. It, Matt Stoney featured as well. Uh, no. So they basically said everything you're going to see today is going to be playable within the next 12 months and it's going to be launching on Game Pass day one. Um, and so this article on Digital Trends here uh, examines that and just goes game by game and, and says, did this game come out or did this game not come out? Um, and it's kind of wild because they they showed off um, 43 games during that showcase saying uh, these will all be out within the next year. Did you have you looked at this yet? If you have, don't. Oh, I won't. Sorry. No, all good. How many of them do you think launched? Uh, and by launch, there are some qualifications to that. I would s- launch is like has to have launched in the way that it was advertised. So, for example, Warhammer 40K Dark Tide which is that Left 4 Dead-style shooter, considers not being launched because it is not launched on console yet. It's been sort of delayed indefinitely. They said that it's going to be coming soon, but in that initial trailer, they said this will be coming on console. So, like, does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. I'm going to say less than half. I'm going to round down just slightly to 18. So, they did a little bit better than that. They had 28. Oh, okay, so I was 10 off. I was a dime away. That said... (laughs) And that's not great. <laughs> that's not incredible, at least. Um, it, it, this this article is kind of interesting. The link to it will be in the description of this episode. Um, just because it, it gives you just a quick rundown of like, hey, here's what this game was, and here's what what's up with it right now. So just a nice little check in. Obviously, a lot of like the big headlines we know about. You've got things like Scorn, uh, not Scorn. I just read the word Scorn, but that did release. You've got things like Redfall, right? High on Life, Plague Tale Requiem. Um, Overwatch 2, Minecraft Legends, that sort of stuff. Um, th- those things that like made the really big headlines, but we're still waiting on stuff like, remember when Hideo Kojima showed up? <laughs> I do. And he-, he didn't really announce a game, but like the fact that it was in the showcase made it sort of seem like, hey, this will be ready within the next year maybe, or so. Maybe they you know? re- did they count releasing him from his prison? Um, the prison in his own mind? They just released him? I, I don't know if he can. I don't know if he can let go. I know he's working on Death Stranding too. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, it, yeah. I don't know. Like, like to me, this is just one of those things where, like, it's frustrating, you know, um, because I want to be excited about the future of Xbox. I'm an Xbox fan, um, but when it comes to overpromising and underdelivering, they've sort of been <laughs> outpacing Nintendo and Sony in terms of that um, for the past few years. Uh, what do you think of all this? Um, I, I don't know. I think 
part of it is that it shows to you the danger of some of these um, press conferences because the whole the whole point of these press conferences is to kind of be like to generate hype and excitement. I think yeah. it shows that Microsoft's plan is like of, of marketing its like year on Xbox is based on the old business model before COVID, before people like would, you know, they really, they delay games more frequently and things like that. Um, I'm sure, again, I'm sure they don't go here and intentionally lie to us being like, oh, we're, we're never going to get Starfield out in a year, you know, like, we're, right, right. like that's not their intention. I'm sure I, I'd hope, but um, I, I, to be honest, like 28 out of 43 ain't that bad. No, no, it's not terrible. And I mean, but to me, like if they're promising, hey, all of this, like like, yeah. that's what I think was so shocking and exciting about that showcase is like, oh, my gosh, all of this is going to be out and ready. And again, 28 games. I'm not complaining about 28 games like that is a that is a lot of video games. Um but like a lot of the, you know, a lot of these ones that released, they had no hand in. Yeah. Did they have anything had anything to do with Resident Evil Four? No. Dead Space remake? No. Um, Callisto Protocol? No. Hogwarts Legacy? You know what I'm trying to say? Like, yeah. Oh yeah. I, and I, I think I, I don't know. I think I don't know. I, I still don't find this to be something like from an Xbox perspective. They're delaying games because they want to release good games, and I still yeah. think they're offering enough on it, and I think we as gamers sometimes can have these unrealistic, unrealistic expectations that everything is going to be a Breath of the Wild or a God of War sure. or whatever, and even think about Nintendo, like, I mean, they came out with Breath of the Wild, that's an easy 10 out of 10. Um, yeah. backing up a little bit, uh, like what is a universally popular 10 out of 10 game that came out on switch? Um, I would say Mario Odyssey immediately after breath of right, the wild right. was one of those 10 out of 10s. Yep. I would say, um, I don't know what the general consensus is, but I would say like something like Xenoblade Chronicles three was excellent. Well received, I think. Um, I think that was scored really well, right? Like, yeah, I think it scored well. I just don't know sales numbers were necessarily oh, like sure, what, sure. what it would be to like be this like like amazing game that people are looking for and stuff. Not that not that I'm I'm saying it's a bad game or anything like that because right, right. I'm sure if like Xbox had this game that was like that. I mean, remember we were talking around the idea that Hi-Fi Rush didn't make uh, didn't it doesn't have the kind of sales numbers that they were hoping. Mm, yeah. Um, and again, that was like back and forth. Like one person said, and then Xbox said, no, blah, 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 blah. It, the, it comes to the fact that that game didn't sell millions and millions of copies, right? Millions yeah. and millions of people haven't played that game. So I, I think not every game is going to be a number one hit, but I still feel like I put on Game Pass, there's always something new out there on Game Pass that I can play, whether it's a five out of 10 like Redfall or a, you know, eight out of 10 or even nine out of 10 like Plague Tale um, Requiem. I think there's enough here and they don't have, they, they can't hit on everything. Video game companies do not hit on every game. Like they don't. Right. Um, and I just think people, like I, I think Redfall seems to be a red flag with their long-term company plans. I just think it's a red flag with it. It just was a bad game. Um, mm -hmm. And I, I think there are still plenty of good things out here. Pentiment, that was a lot of people's 10 out of 10 last year. 
that came out yeah. that was on game isn't game pass right yeah it was on game pass mm-hmm. so i don't know i don't think this is a dire situation i think obviously the press conference is like one of those things but you go back to a press conference where people haven't made promises they haven't kept back on like they haven't kept right i can't think i can't think of a press conference that was like 100 for 100 everything they said happened exactly when they said it did um, right maybe maybe some of these nintendo directs but even then i'm sure that didn't i mean zelda like <laughs> well they tend to they tend to like play it really close yeah. to the best though yeah. you know Coming what i mean like tomorrow. That's, that's what i think is is the big difference between xbox and then like sony and nintendo with this like sony a little bit less so because nintendo just won't talk about something until it's like fucking 100 complete yeah <laughs> um but you know that that difference of xbox is willing to say hey here's what we're working on and nintendo is pretty much just saying, hey, here's what's done and what is coming yep. out, right? Like, Pikmin, we've known about Pikmin 4 for, like, five months, <laughs> I think, right? Like, and it's coming out next month or maybe the month after, you know? Whereas Xbox stuff, like, you know, we know, we've know we known about Starfield, and this was before they were Xbox, right? But we've known about Starfield since 2018, since when Breath of the Wild came out and it was out for a year, right? Like, um so I think that is the major difference. And you're right there, right? Where like how many of these pre- press conferences and presentations, or whatever, don't have things, plans that change and, what, and whatnot. And I do appreciate that. And I'm not trying to say that like this article is proof of their failure necessarily. Um, but I, I just do think it is uh, an interesting check-in on that because I remember being really impressed by that showcase. Uh, I think you were out of town. I think you were, oh, you were uh, uh, doing speech stuff with the high schoolers for for nationals and whatever. Um, so I think I ended up talking with uh, our friends at Button Mashing 101 about it. Um, and I remember being pretty excited for it just because it was like, oh my gosh, all of this in a year. Um, and the fact that, you know, because they missed what? Is that 15? Yeah, uh, it's, you know, it's, it, I think I would say like that's a pretty significant that's, you know, a quarter of them. Um, but yeah, I also I also agree with you, though, when you said about like, you know, they are willing to delay a game. And I do think that that's good and that they should do that um, because. I, I'd rather play something that's done than something that's not, yeah. you know, I mean, like, just thinking for value adds here, like games, I'm just going to look uh, the games that on here that stuck out to me that have been released high on life, a Plague Tale Requiem um uh as dusk falls um diablo 4 5 4 4 diablo 4 um wulong fallen dynasty uh and atomic heart um those games like are all games that are on not take diablo off that but are like so uh, microsoft um game pass kind of games that came out i think were great games that i really enjoyed Sure. Atomic Heart people play that game. It's you want to know what a a very average Justin Ass Makovich game is? <laughs> Atomic Heart. That's it right there. Perfect. <laughs> Incredible. Um, so yeah, so I, I thought I thought that was worth taking a look at. Yeah, and no, checking, I, checking I, it, it's in interesting. I, I ultimately it comes to the fact that this is why E three can't be E three anymore because these press conferences mm-hmm. I think sometimes they get forced when they're not ready. Um, that's why Sony they're flirting with talking about a press conference coming out that will be you know when they announce it it'll probably come out the week after. Yeah, like wait whenever they're ready they're going to release it because they're ready to release it not because we're ready to have E three. I think that that's that's a good way of looking at it, right? Of being able to say like, "Yeah, we're ready to talk about this stuff," as opposed to having to scramble we gotta to get something, something together. together. We gotta make a good show. We gotta beat yeah. Xbox. Yeah, I wonder. It's interesting too. You, you ever um, people have been wondering like, "Hey, why haven't we seen more trailers for Spider Man, Spider Man Two, and um, 
I think Insomniac, I don't know if this was an official statement or whatever, but like the response was like, because we're working on it. <laughs> like, because um, why, why waste the development or resources plot to do twist, that? You go to Into the Spider Verse, and instead of getting like 3D goggles, they give you a controller and they're like, you get to play this. You this play is Spider Man. Oh my God. Like, can you imagine that? I'm, by the way, I'm stoked for that movie. Like, crazy stoked. Oh, it's going to be so good. It's so, be so stoked. Good. So good. Um, here's something interesting Sharp. Uh, they are a Japanese. Uh, electronics manufacturer they said in an earning call that they're making an lcd display for a quote new gaming console and a lot of people are thinking that it is um a uh, the sequel to the switch right nintendo's been doing iterations on all of their handheld consoles for a long time with the switch being sort of an in-betweener we've obviously seen some iteration with the switch Lite and the switch oled um so people are saying like, hey, this might be uh, something for whatever's coming next for the Switch. Uh, the LCD screen uh, would be for a device that would be uh, uh, potentially coming out by the end of March of 2024. Um, they said that they can't speak about um, specifically who it's for and what it is, um, but just that they're making it. And uh, the reason that people think that Sharp is making a is working with nintendo is because they work with them in the past they've done um uh they've made screens for the ds back in the day and then they also worked as an assembly for the switch uh but although i don't think that they are um i don't think that they are uh, responsible for making like the screens for any of the switches what do you think about this i know that we've talked a little bit off and on over the years about a new switch coming. Um, do you think that this is indication of that or do you think that this is something else? I think it has to, I mean, even if this isn't necessarily for the switch, um, I think there is a new switch in development. There is something. They're, yeah, they're I would agree. Out with something. I'm very interested to see what they're going to do with that because I think this is a, a big transition for Nintendo um, because they have a choice to either keep more of the same with better hardware. Like, are they going to keep joy cons? Probably you would assume they have to have some kind of detachable, uh, method just because if they want to have backwards compatibility, maybe they don't. Um, is it going to be like a Switch Plus or is it going to just be a brand new console that's different? Um, and I think with how successful the Switch has been and how it's crossed that boundary of uh, home console and handheld console to the perfect degree, um, yeah. I, I, I'm just interested to see what they're going to do. I mean, they're, they're clearly, they have a lot, I, I don't want to say they have a lot to lose for this, but like this is a hard transition to make and hard decisions to make. Cause I don't know. I don't know what's going to be the right answer for them. And they, they kind of have this like pendulum effect, right? If they do something that's like super successful, you have like the Nintendo 64 yeah. and then the follow up is the GameCube. And while the GameCube was great and had like a bunch of great games, it just didn't sell it really yep. well. Right. And then after the GameCube is the Wii and the Wii was incredible and sold more <laughs> units than anything else. And then had the Wii U, which again, incredible lineup because you got first party Nintendo games on it, but just no one bought it. Right. But then now we get the switch. And so it could go back around into something, something not so great. Um, I don't know. Here's why I don't know if this is for the switch other than because we simply do not know. Um, because they said that they're making LCD screens and with the switch OLED being what it is, I would assume that all future Nintendo hardware, if they're going to do handheld stuff is going to have an OLED screen. Now I know that you look at the comp the competition of other gaming handheld things like the steam deck and like the, um, Asus ROG it just came out. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Yeah. yeah ally rog yeah that's the 
Yeah, the ROG Ally. ROG. Do you know what ROG stands for? Um, really awful game. Like uh, Redfall. Very, cring- very cringy. It stands for Republic of Gamers. <laughs> uh, well, it's been nice talking to you, gamers. I'm, I'm, if I can't handle that. right just like the first time i heard that i was like no it's not i'm I'm part of this community okay great wonderful yeah great cool the republic of gamers anyway um you know i I, to my understanding these are lcd screens these are not oled screens um that said they still you know produce great looking games and are able to run things really well because the screen doesn't really matter you know what i mean but with the way that Nintendo really went all out on the Switch OLED, you would think that that's what they want to go for from here on out. Do you know what I mean by that? Yeah. Like, it just yeah. seems like it's a step up, and they that because it's such a step up, I would assume and I would expect for them to continue to reach that bar in terms of quality screens and stuff like that for whatever future project they're working on. Peter, I like money. I know you probably like money because we're human beings, and money's a good thing. Decent. Nintendo knows how to make money and how to squeeze people do. for money without really pissing them off to a point where they don't buy yeah. stuff from them anymore. So what if they come up with this first new console at an affordable p- price with the LCD screen that they can do, and then two years down the road, would you like a nicer <laughs> screen so for that? I'd be so mad. I'd be so mad, and I'd be like, yes, fuck yeah, you. Yeah, I'll fine. do it, but you'll buy it because that's what Nintendo does. They have a way of really just nickel and diming us with a smile, and we're like, oh, Miyamoto. You know what would really would really get me excited? Uh, a new DS. I w- I was thinking when when initially you said an LCD screen, like what if they did have like a tool a two screen kind of format, like instead yeah. of like taking your controllers off, you take your top and bottom half off. Oh, and it's like a clamshell. Yeah. Oh, that's like so cool. They would never do this. They would never do this. But I love that. Oh, yes, yeah, yeah like I, that'd on. be so cool. They're, they're gonna shut us down. Um, we have the insider key here. Love, I love I love the DS and the fact that it's just gone and done. And like I thought there was like a lot of like great ideas with like the touch screen and, and just having two screens and stuff that just is gone now. Right. Um, and, you know, obviously I love the switch. But uh, I, if if they went back to doing we're doing consoles and handhelds again, I don't think they would because they've just had so much success with the switch. Um, but if that were the case, I don't think I would mind. Or if they said we're doing a, uh, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I I. If they made a DS sequel, like a, I guess a 3DS sequel, really, the 4DS, it's got smell of vision technology. And it tastes you. You don't taste it, it tastes you. Ooh. Mm. It's like you're, you're um, tasting. What, would, well, what do your Switch, favorite Switch games taste like? Uh, 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 Xenoblade Chronicles 3, what does that taste like? It tastes like a refreshing, like, oceanic breeze. Oh, wow. You nailed yeah, it in one. Yeah. What is Breath of the Wild? What does that taste like? Breath of the Wild tastes like um, kind of like dirt, but like it's like that like nice dirt. It's like hearty, right? Yeah, like it's a, like a potato. It's like the dirt they make for like a usable scent, not like dirt like mm, when you're actually mm, just mm. outside. And it's like it kind of smells like spit. You know, it's not that kind of But dirt. like mulch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, and what does the video game Super Mario, Super Mario Odyssey taste like? Uh, it, Pina colada? Well like it's a blast of flavor <laughs> there's some like space travel in that game so space kind of tastes a little bit like burnt barbecue um at least that's what it smells like because people when they come out of interesting people when they come back from space it's like a metallic smell so it's more of like this metallic burnt barbecues flavor by the way speaking of barbecue flavor where do yes. where do they get off naming 
the barbecue chip flavor barbecue because that is not Whoa. a kind of barbecue I've eaten before. And another thing, I I will eat me a barbecue flavored chip. But if your barbecue tastes like a barbecue flavored chip, you have made a mistake along the way. Oh, I don't think so. I think it's got that nice sweet tanginess to it. Oh, you're more of that kind of that kind of barbecue sauce. You're more of the 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 Kansas City type of. What's what's the barbecue sauce? Is it Sweet Baby Ray's? Sweet Baby Ray's. I'm, um, uh, my, my, what am I thinking? My, yeah, Sweet Baby Ray's uh, uh, barbecue sauce. That is that is my go-to. But and that's what that's what like the 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 Lay's barbecue chips taste like to you. I like like not fully, but enough because they taste so much like stank breath to me. Like it's just like the taste the taste is stank wow. breath. But like again, I eat them. Wow. I eat them. It's my favorite chip. Do you know that? Did you try the Doritos barbecue? Uh no is it is it good I I, no, I, I didn't try I, I didn't try it yet because I just said they taste like stank breath so like I wouldn't but like when we should um we should do like a taste test of foods for bonus oh my god content. we should do that totally um, but here's the problem no one wants to hear us chewing and that's what this is right just us chewing near ear I mean depending on, we could, we could get around it yeah, I guess right by by doubling down and really going at it in the mic yeah and just making it making it. <laughs> Just completely unlistenable to anyone. Yeah. Uh, um, still, I'm still. Unless you like that, but I still look for that tangy pickle, tangy pickle Dorito flavor. Was that a Dorito? Yeah, it was a Dorito flavor. There, it's mostly from Canada. That's where they're like centered around. But they had a couple of sure. couple of weeks when they were hanging out in the mire um, in Bolingbrook, Illinois, and I was like, "What is this?" And I tried changed my life. And then ever since so, then. I go back to the Doritos aisle and I look like a little sad puppy. Like, is today the day? And they never, never had them. Are you, um, you know, like freeze pops, not freeze pop. You know, like when you're a kid and they have those like long push pops. No, it's like, it's just like a, like a cylind- it's like, cylindrical it's like bag juice and then, full of frozen ice. Yeah. 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 Um, my roommate brought home pickle flavored ones. Oh, but did, did I talk yeah, to you about this? You, you did, but like share, share with everyone the joy of this. It's very bad. Yeah. Very bad. Very bad. It was just. It tastes exactly like. How do you open? You how do you open those? Yeah, scissors. Because that's not how you're supposed to do it. You're supposed to how take it, to it and just snap it in half, and you get two of them. Is that true? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Where's the? T- where do? You, where's the? It's not gonna make a mess. No, if it's Sticky it's gotta mess. be frozen, Peter. You're not gonna do that well, with right, like the soggy right. bag, like just the like the bag out. You like take it and like no, yeah, no, it's it just snaps. It's like a nice. When I was a kid, me and my sister walked to the Aldi, which is a, which a is hike. a hike for us. That is a hike. But, but over the summer, we would walk to that strip mall area. Yeah. Or I guess that's further on the strip mall. That's what I'm trying to say. Is we walked to Aldi, we would buy a bag of the unfrozen uh, popsicle things and just drink mm. them. Mm. Oh. And that probably explains why I am the way I am. That doesn't it. <laughs> 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 Justin, it burned. It would burn going down your throat. I, I can't imagine that being a very good thing. But the pink ones are the best awesome. anyway. So, I'm a I'm a purple fan, but I can respect the pink I, one. The, whenever you get two together and you get pink and blue together, that was I was a happy a happy little boy then. That's not bad. Yeah. That's not bad yeah. at all. Justin, we've reached the close of our show. We're talking about pickle popsicles. We're talking about. <laughs> Uh, uh, pickle chips, just any, any, really, just all pickle. It's an all pickle, all pickles, Oops, all, the time. all pickles. Um, Can you imagine, like, if you were eating like crunch berries, like the the Captain Crunch crunch berries? They had oops all, all berries, familiar. except it was oops I'm all familiar. pickle. 
That, can I tell you something about Oops All, Oops All Berry? Yeah. Sorry, if I may. Yeah. I know I, we can go down this Oops All Pickles rabbit hole if you want, no, but like the problem with Oops All p- Berries is like there's not enough contrast for me. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Like, like for me, it's the same thing as like if you were to eat Lucky Charms, but you were just to have the marshmallows. Mm. Like you need the shitty part. Yeah, to make the marshmallows you know? that much better. Yeah, they could yeah. still use about five percent more marshmallows in a bag, though. Agreed. But, agreed. Yeah. Agreed. Um, but yeah, same same with like oops all berries. Like, here's what you do. Here's actually the true the true thing that you do. Now lean in close, y'all. Um, what you do is you get one box of regular Captain Crunch mm. and then one box of oops all berries mm-hmm. Captain Crunch, and then you're able to truly control the ratio mm. that you want. Mm. And that to me is the game changer. Mm. That's how now that's. Yeah, that's how you make um, that's how you make Rice Krispie treats. Like if you want to use the the oh. fruity pebbles, you put mostly fruity pebbles in, but you balance it out so it's not super super strong with the fruity pebbles. You put some regular Rice Krispie treats in there, and then you can make more because you have more Rice Krispies to put in there. So. Dude, I'm like, I'm dying. I'm sorry, I, I, wanna, I understand no, where I, you're no, at right now. I just want to eat. I just want to eat cereal. I've been watching Matt Stoney. I so I oh, wait, that's the top of the show. Is this an unhealthy coping mechanism for you? Yeah, we, we watch him eat while we eat, and we sort of just try and live as, through him. As you drink your soup, it's like, wow, I wonder what it's like to eat all that cheese right now. <laughs> to eat real food. Oh, no. Yeah, no, the cheese was fucking gross, oh, no. dude. That was a bad video. It was, it was the, <laughs> that video is like not one I, is, that's one of his tougher, darker What moments, if he had one but, of those um, ASMR mics? It basically is. <gasps> I mean, basically those videos are just like mouth sounds and a man going like, oh, it's so much cheese. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening to our podcast. Um, if you feel so inclined, jump into our Discord server. The link to that is in the description of this episode. Um, if you want to support us monetarily, uh, hop on over to patreon.com slash hitboxpod. Become a $1 podcast producer or a $3 deluxe podcast producer and join the ranks of our two wonderful deluxe podcast producers, Jay Knoll and Dave Parker, whom we love very, very much. Each week, those um two fabulous people and you potentially can get um an additional bonus episode again we're talking about breath of the wild and how our lives have changed since then uh in this week's episode um if not all good follow us on twitter at hitbox pod rate us on your podcast player of choice that's all i ask baby justin am i missing anything you're missing absolutely nothing incredible I love that. Yeah. I got all in one. All in one. Hole in one. Oops. Oops. All perfect. Oops. All perfect. Thanks so much for listening. We'll catch you next week. Always remember, old games are old. Bye. Bye. I'll stop recording. <laughs> <laughs>